And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Hey, Darren. It's Lana from Tennessee. And my question is about the post-workout meal. Oftentimes, when I finish working out, I've got a 20-minute drive home. And then, typically, if I have to cook something, it might be another 15 or 20 minutes, give or take. And so I was just wondering if there's a window of how it's the most ideal time to take those post-workout carbs and protein or if I should maybe plan accordingly to have something to eat immediately after the workout and then spread out the meals differently. So thank you. Talk to you later, Darren. <laughs> you didn't see that one coming, did you? Yeah, that wasn't me. That was me. Thank you, Lana. I appreciate it. Good question there. So um, we're going to, this is the very definition of just diving right into it here. No introduction. Screw that. We'll go over the introductory stuff later. So um, Lana has a good question here um, about post-workout nutrition. And let me, uh, I mean, I think it was probably, oh boy, if I had to remember and really stretch my brain back, I think it was, I mean, it was years ago. It was either Matt Porter or Matt Jensen. Um, you know, both of whom are, you know, accomplished contest prep coaches in their own right, for sure. Um, one of them coined the phrase of, I'm paraphrasing here, don't think of it as an anabolic window so much as an anabolic barn door. The idea being that, yes, post-workout nutrition is important, but it's not like you have to, you know, as soon as you are on your way out of the gym that you've got to stick in an IV with carbs or something like that because otherwise, you know, if it has to pass through your digestive system, it's not going to get there fast enough or anything like that. Now, I mean, what the typical guidance that I give people, and so we'll talk pre- and post-workout just because those are the two times when nutrient timing really matters. Um, what I tell people typically is pre-workout, if you can have something about an hour, and it, it also depends on what it is. Like if you're having a protein shake, which will typically digest a little bit faster, and maybe you throw a, uh, a high molecular weight um, carb powder in there like Carbolin or something like that, which also digests much faster, an hour beforehand is excessive. You don't need it that that soon. And in fact, it will start to, uh, I mean, you'll yeah, that, that might be a little too early. Um, but if you're going to have a solid food meal and you need to digest and process something, figure about an hour. And then your, your trial and error there should be factored on two things. First of all, how, you, how your stomach feels when you start your workout. Like, you know, does it feel like enough of that has worked out of your system? Because our digestive rates are all a little bit different. Um, and some people, they, they really, I mean, they, they get a lot of gastric upset if they have a full stomach and then they try to go and do something while their stomach is still working on processing that. Um, but I think even that is, is something where if you kind of make a routine out of it, your body will adjust and you'll kind of get used to it. Um, so, uh, and you know, think of it this way. I mean, it's like, you know, what if you are, I'm, I'm thinking about this right now because it's, it's happening, um, here at my house this week, we have landscapers working, they go out and they eat lunch and they're back to, you know, digging and throwing rocks all over the place within 10 or 15 minutes. So they got a full stomach, they're working, they're used to it. You know, I mean, your, your body will get used to it. So, um, and then also once you really get into it and your, your intensity is really ratcheting up, if, and I, I've noticed this at times and, and had to make some adjustments in my meal timing as well. If you eat and then wait like a couple hours um, to go to go hit your lift, and then you're looking back at what you did like the previous week or something like that, and you're you're noticing, wow, my numbers are sucking. I'm having a tough time hitting these things. It, it's probably because you waited too long after eating. So about an hour is usually the sweet spot. Again, depending on the meal. For post workout, what I will tell people is, you know, if you can start that meal 
anywhere from zero to 60 or 75 minutes post-workout, that's usually fine. Um, another factor to consider in there is if you work out and then you're done, you go home, et cetera, blah, 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 and then you're, you're starting your post-workout meal, let's say um, an hour to an hour and 15 minutes um, after your lift. Is that necessarily a problem that is going to impact your recovery? No. The bigger thing that I would be concerned about realistically, and this is just from a very practical perspective, is squeezing in the rest of your meals. If you're supposed to eat six meals and now, you know, figure you've had your pre-workout meal, you waited, you went and lifted, and then you had another break. Now you're like three and a half hours after that, you're, you're compressing some meals and the, it, it becomes more likely that you're going to miss something. And some people it's like, no, that's not a concern, dude. I'm going to get it in. Don't you worry. Great. So then I have no concerns there. Um, but as far as pushing meal timing back post-workout, if you're in that you know 60 to 75 minute range, that's fine. It's just I want to make sure that we get everything in and that doesn't force you to then miss something else. Um, if you're looking at like, hey, I started my post-workout meal 90 minutes after my lift, now we start to get into the, the point of diminishing returns. That's probably a little too long, but if you're looking like 30, 45 minutes, you're clearly in a, in a good spot there. That's totally fine. We have no issues with that whatsoever. So here is what I'm going to do. I am, and again, I will go with the microphone here like we did last time here. Oh. Ignore those sounds, but let's see if I can do this here. And all right, that was me writing Lana's name on a post-it note. So we're going to be doing this drawing today. Today is the day for this. And so here's what I'm doing. I have in my hands here my shaker cup. So, um, and I will record video of this, hopefully. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the post-it note here with Lana's name on it. I'm going to crumple it up and it goes in the shaker cup. And then I've got the one that we did from uh, Tuesday. This is Mary's. Hey Mary, how you doing? Gonna crumple that up. And that also goes in the shaker cup. So, uh, <laughs> let's do it. I feel like I'm, I'm running a game show here, but you know what? I'm having fun with this, and so if y'all think this is cheesy, I got two words for you. Screw you, don't take away my fun. This is, this is this is what gets me through the week. So, um, all right, we got a we got a handful of uh, of messages here. So let's get to the next one. Hey, Darren, it's uh, Brian from Northeast Louisiana. With the rush of gym new goers, uh, revolutioners as we like to call them, there's a plethora of people doing some crazy ass lifts and exercises that you know without a shadow of doubt will eventually lead them straight to injury city. We all have the same goal in the gym, and most of us know that any injury will keep us from reaching that goal sometimes for very prolonged periods. Do you risk sounding like a know-it-all gym jackass and try to help that person out, show them a better way to accomplish their goals with a lowered risk of injury, or let Charles Darwin's theory of evolution just run its course? Having had very invasive shoulder and back surgeries, I personally know how important it is to make sure lifts are properly executed and the pain that comes with doing just the opposite of that. On the other hand, not coming off as a gym jackass trying to tell someone what not to do also has a personal benefit in knowing that once their injury occurs, you're not likely to have to wait on them to finish before you use that piece of equipment. So what are your thoughts on this? All right. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. So, yeah, uh, let the herd thin, them, thin themselves out, and then I'll have a better pick of the equipment around me. I love it. It's like you're just waiting like, keep the ambulance right there at the front door of the gym. You're like, all right, now I can get on a bench. Sweet. Uh, <laughs> uh, in jest, of course, but uh, nonetheless, uh, 
I got a kick out of that. So yeah, we do want to avoid injury city. So the question is, um, how, how much Darwinism do we allow into the gym? And I think that's a good thing. And, you know, for me, um, I think everybody has a different threshold. My threshold is really high. Like I'm going to let people get away with some really, really, really stupid stuff just because I'm sure this will come as a shock to everybody listening here. I don't want to talk to people in the gym if I don't have to. Um, and so, I mean, I can, I can count probably on about one finger, the number of times that I have actually gone in and, and talked to somebody about their form. Um, cause usually, um, well, I don't know. I mean, you get some people that really just don't know any better. And then there are some people who are like, this is how I've got to lift if I want to grow. I can't, I can't be a, you know, I can't be a, I can't puss out and, you know, just, just, you know, lift, lift correctly all the time. Like, all right, cool. Um, <clears throat> And again, I don't want to draw any conclusions and, and try to try to make assumptions based on what somebody looks like or anything like that. So, you know, just because some uh, some dude looks like a, a bro who belongs in the nightclub, you know, I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But um, I don't know. It's it's tough. It's tough. Um, I, I will let people get away with a lot. And oftentimes, if uh, here's let, let me approach this from a hypothetical perspective. Actually, it's a good question, Brian. You're making me think here. So, um, what what I would do is this. Let let me pretend that I am not somebody who has you know massive social inhibitions, and I I feel like a normal human being. Like it's appropriate to talk to a stranger in the gym and have a, a brief conversation about something. So let's let's make that assumption very quickly here. Um, what I uh, what I would do is I would approach the situation and always start off something with a question um, and try to develop a rapport with the person and not just go in and say, hey, you know you're doing that wrong, right? <laughs> or you know you're going to injure yourself, right? Because immediately you're putting somebody on the defensive there. Um, and, you know, clearly also you said um, uh, re- uh, with the resolutioners as well, side note, side little detour here. <clears throat> Whenever somebody sends me a message, um, it goes to my Google Mail um, or my Google Voice uh, mailbox. And then I get an email notification about that. And Google is just way too clever. And so they, they try to put in a transcript developed from voice recognition um, in, in that email so that I can read the message without having to download it and play it. So I can get a gist of what it is. And it is, hilarious. first of all, Google never spells my name right. So whenever somebody says, hi, Darren, they always spell it wrong. Okay, I get that. Um, but there's always just hilarious things. I should I should uh, make a, a habit of like reading some of the highlights of the transcripts from those uh, Google voice transcriptions because they are hilarious. Like when uh, when Brian was talking about resolutioners, um, Google, uh, Google heard uh, revolutioners. <laughs> I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, it just paints a completely different picture. There, there's some really hilarious... Uh, uh, bad translations though. I should share some of those anyway. Um, with a lot of those revolutioners coming in and, you know, upsetting the apple cart and trying to overthrow the gym hierarchy. Um, I mean, yeah, there, there's a lot of people that aren't necessarily going to know the best way to do things. And so I would, um, I would make it a point to never approach somebody cold with form uh, feedback or form advice, but always, you know, not with the goal of starting some big, long conversation, but, uh, you know, even something like, hey, you're new here. I haven't seen you here. I'm Darren. Who are you? Blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. Um, and it looks like you're training such and such today. Well, you've been doing that for long? Okay. And try to, you know, quickly, because you you always want to assume that somebody is there to work, even if they're acting. And uh, I, I, a lot of, uh, whoa, I'm <laughs> 
Slow down, Darren. Slow your roll. My tongue was like tripping over itself right there. Um, a lot of people, like me, um, I, I have to be nice to people in the gym. It's just kind of who I am. So if somebody comes and talks to me, I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, smile and nod. And you get the impression that, oh, they, they like talking to me. This is great. And so then the conversation goes on and on and on. So don't interpret somebody's smile and and what looks like genuine sincerity as their desire to actually continue talking to you. So keep your conversations brief. Um, but over the course of just like an introduction and a couple of quick questions and a quick back and forth, that gives you, uh, I think, enough of an immediate rapport where you can then go in and say, hey, by the way, your form is dog shit. You know, worded a little bit differently probably. Um, but you know, I, I always find it, but I, I've told this to a guy before, and I did mention this to a guy, and I talk to him regularly now, and you know, I don't, I don't go over his form too much, but I've also noticed that he stopped doing this, um, where he was just doing things just with so explosively fast. I'm talking like face pulls, like how many face pulls can I get in ten seconds? That that was how he lifted, <laughs> and so I talked to him, and you know, just you know, the the other thing about me is I'm I'm always you know pretty. Uh, um, pretty uh laid back when I talk and I always uh, just it's it's the way that I am I always have a little bit of an air of like I'm always you know three words removed from a joke it's just kind of how I operate so uh I, I walked up to him and I, I just said hey turbo how you doing he's like what I'm like you're going really fast there what's the purpose and, you know, just kind of kick that and just kind of open it up with a joke like that. And, you know, he was a guy where he took it the right way. And uh, I said, yeah, I mean, my, my whole thing that I and I, I mentioned, like, I'm a coach, I'm a trainer, you know, like you, you do what you want. It's all cool. What I always tell my clients is, you know, it's very easy to do an exercise too quickly. You can never do it too slowly. And I'm like when you when you really slow things down, that's when you really feel what happens. And then I'm like, you know. Have at it. Good good luck. So, you know, it just gives him something to think about, and he can continue doing his thing if he wants or, you know, and actually I haven't seen him lifting like that since. So um, maybe he took it to heart. I don't know. That's one of the very few times that I can remember ever going up to somebody. Um, and also that was when uh, I, I was working out with somebody who um, uh, my, my training partner um, at the time, she actually n knew him or had talked with him before, and so I had kind of an in with him, so it, it helped there. But anyway, that's that. So, yeah, um, I think most people, their natural tendency is to um, keep to themselves. Say, nope, you know, we're we're gonna let the herd thin itself out. Um, but I would always say, um, if if you're gonna do that, don't don't approach it cold and say, hey, you you uh, you clearly don't know how to deadlift, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. But you know, uh, start build a rapport, couple quick questions, and then just kind of find your in that way. So um, let me see here. Did I do it? No, I, I did not do it. So I'm gonna take here we go the pin. And Brian. Oh, somebody's winning big today. This is going to be good. Okay, here we go. And crumple. And hand hits the microphone, and it's in the shaker cup. All right, cool. Uh, what do we got next? Hey, Darren, this is Emily calling from Eugene, Oregon. I have a question for you that I thought maybe some other newbies might be interested in hearing about as well. I'm wondering about prep timeline. Um, not so much as what to do in prep, but what to be um, looking at for for uh, like a timeline for prep. So like a checklist. When do I get a hotel room? When do I get my friends and families to get a hotel room? When do they get tickets for the show? And what other things should I be 
thinking about. Um, I know you've talked about suit timelines before, but I think it just might be nice to go over, here's the things that you're going to need to do, and here's when you should be thinking about them. So, yeah, thank you. No, Emily, thank you. Um, so <laughs> that's a good question, actually, a really good one. So um, I'm going to start off here. Uh, Emily, here's your name on the post-it, and fat fingers can't peel it off. We're going to crumple, and into the cup you go. All right, we shake it up. All right, cool. Um, so, great question. So, not so much like the ins and outs of how prep works, but what is all the crap? And I, I tell you, when I um, when I get a lot of uh, of people who contact me through my website and they're like, I'm looking at doing a show, this is the stuff that they're worried about. <laughs> and a lot of them will say things like, you know, yeah, dieting, training, blah, 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 getting lean, that's fine, but this is all the crap that scares me. So... <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, you know, that's the easy stuff. All the other stuff is what should be scaring you and what you really need to worry about. But um, it's it's all good. So let's run run through it here. So very first thing you have to do, and this is uh, clearly uh, priority number one, is pick your show. And then do everything you can to make sure that you're going to be ready for it. Because if we don't do that, then none of this other stuff matters. So um, from there, um, division contingent, um, get your shoes. Uh, even you know, before you pick a show, if you know what division you're doing, if you're doing bikini or figure, get your shoes immediately. Get used to them. Walk in them. Um, practice in those, not in some heel that is a close approximation. Like, well, I've already got these, and you know they're 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 about the same height, so I'll get the shoes later. But I'll practice in these. No, you get your competition shoes. You know, you don't get your suit at 16 or 20 weeks out because your body's going to be changing size, but uh, your feet are not. Your feet are going to be, you know, if they're if they're size eleven clod hoppers now, they're going to be when you're stage ready as well. So get your shoes early uh, and start practicing in them early. Uh, they need to feel like they're just an extension of your foot. And so if you're one of those people where you're like, uh, well, you know what, I'm kind of clumsy in heels. Okay, first of all. Um, consider doing women's physique then because you're barefoot. And if that means you need to take a few years to put on some muscles, so be it. Or you get those shoes immediately and you start practicing and you get really, really good at it. Really good at it. Um, it needs to, you need to be able to, you know, be like Bryce Dallas Howard in Jurassic World, you know, running through the jungle in your heels. You need to have that level of comfort in them. So that, that's the, the level of practice and the level of, um, you know, just how natural it needs to be. It's just an extension of your leg, an extension of your foot, and it just feels like you're not wearing anything. So get those shoes early on. Um, and then um, it's never too early to start shopping around for your suit. We've talked about that before. So and again, these are the basic things, but I'm also taking these kind of in order of operations here. So pick your show, um, get your shoes, and then start worrying about your suit. Start thinking about it. Start soliciting opinions from people. You know, start asking your friends, you know, or maybe you have an opinion on this already. What color looks good on you? What color do you feel comfortable in? And then get some fabric swatches, you know, send some emails out to um, suit designers, um, see who... Uh, seems like a good fit for you, but start those um, machinations early on. And then the time to order is at about six to eight weeks out. And certainly the suit designer is going to give you a more specific timeline, but usually it's going to be in that time frame. And I've known some that will say, wait until you're three or four weeks out because they have a really fast turnaround. You don't want to rely on that. And oftentimes if you get a suit, you order it at eight weeks out, you've got it in your hands like 10 days later. And you're like, oh, okay, I could have waited a little bit longer. And then you get a more accurate fit because you can take better measurements that are closer to what you're going to be on stage. So uh, communicate with the suit designer as far as when to actually do it. So um, after that, um, 
I'd say, and, and there's no right or wrong way to do this, um, but registration comes next. A lot of people, as soon as they decide on the show, they register for it immediately. Um, and I think that's that's kind of a mistake. And this coming from a coach who you know, makes his living off of people's, you know, month to month commitment to a plan. So you would think that I'd be the guy that says, yeah, commit early, get it set in stone. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, no, I had a, uh, a couple recently who, um, who just, uh, quit coaching, uh, because some stuff came up in life, you know, job stuff changed and they were looking at a, a show in June. And now that doesn't make any sense. Their priorities shifted and they're both probably really thankful right now. Like, man, I'm glad we didn't do like a five month paid in full thing because that would have been stupid. Um, and similarly, if you would have registered for that show already, you know, uh, <laughs> tell you what, two weeks ago, um, it, it was game on. And then all of a sudden this opportunity came out of nowhere and, you know, priorities change. So, um, you, uh, let me see how I can word this here. I want to try and do this without being too clumsy. Your lack of an early registration for the show does not equate to a lack of commitment. What it does equate to is uh, just being a little bit more, you know, prudent, cautious, frugal, smart. Um, I think those are all good things. So um, you don't. I, I'd say once you, um, you know, you you're about halfway through prep. You've ordered your suit. That's the big expense. Okay, great. Now's the time where you're pretty well committed. And if something comes up at this point, well, you know what? We're just going to file it under shit happens. So at this point, I think we can go ahead and register for the show. It, it's going to happen. Um, and at that point, you know, that's also where things tend to get hard and people start to think like, man, do I really want to finish this? And you, if you kind of increase your investment into it, I think it helps kind of push things along. So the registration then, and then uh, I lumped it into everything else. <laughs> so, um, what, uh, what that includes. So all of your appointments, um, tanning appointment, hair and makeup. I've talked about all those things at length before. Um, the tanning appointment, spray tan, um, you, you can do it yourself. And what, I, what I've said on, on, uh, on this very show before is that uh, the next time I compete, if it came down to a decision where for budgetary reasons, I was thinking like, you know what? I'm not going to pay for the spray tan at the show. I'm just going to do it myself. I'm actually not going to do the show at that point because when I've done it before, it is such a giant pain in the ass. You save yourself so much hassle, so much stress, um, and so much time uh, by just paying to get sprayed at the show. So you'll always find people that don't do that, and they put on like 47 coats of ProTan, um, and then they, they walk in like, I'm dark as hell, I'm ready, and then they, they get on stage and it looks like they didn't do anything. It's like however many coats of that stuff you put on, it's never enough. Never enough. Not like getting sprayed at the show. So, um, so your spray tan, hair and makeup, ladies, um, you can do that yourself. Or if you want to make your appointment, you know, right around the four week mark is usually when you want to be doing that, just because the people are going to be paying attention. Usually, the the um, the the artists, the providers of those services, they're doing a lot of shows, and um, it's not like they're going to say, "Oh, we're all out of slots." I mean, they're they're going to be able to squeeze you in. Okay, you don't want to wait until the last minute. But around four weeks out, four or five weeks out is a good time to start making those appointments. Tan, hair, makeup. Um, and then, uh, at any point after you register, I would say it's fine to, uh, fine to go ahead and book hotel rooms. Um, and especially if you want to go with the host hotel and, uh, get the discounted rate, um, those rooms will fill up, um, pretty quickly. So, um, you'll, you'll want to get it on that before too long. So I would say the, the same time you register for the show. And if that's anywhere from four to eight weeks out, it's a good time. And, you know, 
I, I would say the difference between the, that uh, if you do it at eight weeks versus four weeks is pretty minimal. I mean, you know, it's not like you're you're benefiting from from waiting too much longer. So you might as well do it at around eight weeks. Let's just go ahead and make that the standard here. We'll register and get our hotel rooms booked and everything at about eight weeks out. Um, if you have to fly for your show. Um, the the longer in advance that you can prepare for that, the better. And I would start looking like as soon as you if you're if you're prepping for a show that you're flying to, as soon as you start your prep, um, set a, a price alert on kayak for your flight or whatever site you want to use and be notified when it hits a low and just track it. You know, every handful of days, just go on, look at the price. And these sites are sophisticated now, so they will give you, you know, the trend for what the price of, the price of that particular flight has been doing. And then also they can give you a percentage confidence on whether or not you should buy now or wait. So, um, but if you start that process early, you'll get some more data to collect and you can watch the price trends yourself also. So, um, and then, um, you know, also I would say around eight weeks out, that's the time to really start working on your competition prep packing list. And I have a packing list that I send out, and I think what I need to do is put that into blog form um, just so that it's up there for everybody to see. Something that I usually send to clients when we're getting towards the home stretch. Um, and this is something, um, I, I will put this up in a blog post. I'll try and do that over the weekend or early next week. Um, and this is something that a former client wrote up and she's every bit as OCD as I am apparently because you look at this and you're like, okay, well that's great. So I'm going to need to drive myself to the show and have a friend follow in a car that has the rest of the stuff on my packing list on it. I mean, it's that comprehensive. It's insane. It's like every possible thing you could possibly imagine needing to take for a show. It's on this list. Um, and so you could comb through that list and, you know, there are a lot of things that are, are, are specific to women, um, that guys don't need to worry about. But e even so, if you pack 10% of the things on that list, you'll probably be overprepared. Um, but it's a good chance to just look at all the possibilities and be able to make a decision like, yep, need that. No, don't need that. It's all good. Okay, cool. And then, um, be confident that you'll be covered for just about everything. So, um, I'll post that and, uh, then it, it's always a good time, a good thing to early on start prepping your, your go bag basically for show day. So you've got everything that you need there. So, um, yeah, great question though, Emily, really good. And Oh, as far as tickets also, you know, um, I, I've never bought tickets early, never bought tickets in advance. Um, I was just buy them at the, uh, at the, uh, at the door basically. So, uh, I don't, I don't think, you know, especially like for prejudging, prejudging is never going to sell out. I mean, I guess if it's a really big show or something like that, you could. So, but I think if you're if you're looking at getting tickets more than a week ahead of time, you're you're um, you're being overly cautious. So you'll you'll always be able to get into the door for a bodybuilding show. Finals will fill up for sure. And so I would say when you get your prejudging tickets, you can get your finals tickets then too. But you know, so many people buy those at the door as well. So if you have those in advance, even 24 hours early, you're gonna be you're gonna be just fine. So. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Let me just think really quick. Da, 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 da. Yeah, I think that's about it. I think that's good. So, um, yeah, great question, though, Emily. Very good. What's next? Howdy, Coach Star. It's Connor from Houston. My question is, do you think protein has been kind of overblown in the importance of it, and uh, in, especially in relation to the amount of protein and carbohydrates you should get, and should bodybuilders really more – or bodybuilders or people in general focus more on the carbs and – making them not seem as scary because at the end of the day, it seems like they could be potentially much more valuable to your training than protein could be. Hey, Connor, great, great question. Thank you for that. By the way, um, uh, Connor is a, a client of mine 
absolutely kicking ass, killing it, and crushing it right now. Um, still, you know, relatively early stages, but if you want to check him out, um, he's on Instagram at Building Devlin. Um, check him out. He's a, a good follow and a good dude also. So thank you for the question. Very good. Much appreciated here. Is protein overblown? I would say in a word, let me answer as, as succinctly as possible. Yes, I think it is. I think it is. Now, I mean, it's important. Yeah, but... Um, you, you you walk into a uh, a store, like a supplement shop, and what do you see? I mean, 50% of the place is going to be protein powders, protein supplements, etc. Um, and you go and you're like, where, where are the carbohydrate supplements? Oh, there's two things down there on the bottom of this shelf. Okay, and what about fats? We've got our oils over here. Uh, okay, thanks. I mean, you know, so... It is, it's a marketing thing. Um, and the, the supplement companies seized upon this and the importance of protein. Now it's entered more of the, the general, um, just vocabulary of our culture where you have protein infused shampoos and things like that. So protein is just a word that has become equated with health. Um, and realistically, I mean, yeah, you need protein to build muscle. You need protein intake for protein synthesis in the body. Certainly. Yes. But you only need so much of it. You don't need as much as a lot of people tend to want to shove down your pie hole. And it's just, you know, there gets to be a point where it's counterproductive or it's really expensive because as we, as anybody who has gone grocery shopping knows, um, if you're going through the store and you're like, okay, I'm good on proteins. I just need to get my carbs and my fats, et cetera. You're not going to spend as much. If you're like, oh, I'm out of proteins. I'm like, oh shit. Now money has grown wings and it's just flying out of my wallet right now. So that's no fun. It, it's really expensive. Um, and so my, my approach for a couple of reasons is to have our protein intake as low as we can and have it be reasonable, which to be clear as bodybuilders is still pretty high. Like if you have your average, you know, woman who's, you know, five, three to five, five, a non lifter, but just looking to be healthy and maintain good body composition, et cetera, you know, 60, 70 grams of protein a day is great for a lifter. Double that at least. Um, but that isn't necessarily high in terms of bodybuilding. High would be if you're taking that same woman and shoving 250 grams of protein in her. Um, that that is excessive. I've I have I know many coaches with that approach. It's crazy. Um, I've I've worked with coaches before that want to shove 400 grams a day in me. Um, <laughs> that sounded kind of dirty. Uh, that, that wanted me to, to intake 400 grams of protein a day, um, which is excessive. It, it's just, yeah, I mean, not only, here's the thing, it, it's, it, it's a twofold problem. First of all, it's really expensive, and also protein is the thing that taxes your digestive system the most. So, uh, and I tell you what, especially when you're on, if you're trying to grow, you're at least at maintenance, probably at a little bit of a surplus, um, you're already asking your body to digest and process a lot. And when you make a greater percentage of that protein, um, then it, it's less productive. So oftentimes what I will do is if I'm in a, uh, a protracted growth phase with a client that's going on for a little while, um, as that goes on, I'm going to look for ways to bring our protein intake down a little bit and offset that with additional carbs and fats. So um, as far as um, Connor's point about focusing more on carbs and making them less scary, I think that's a good idea. I know a lot of people, they equate carbs with weight gain. Um, and that is something where, you know, I have, if I had to guess right now, I'd say I probably have half a dozen clients currently where every time I check in, I am 
repeating the mantra that, that carbs are not evil. Carbs are good. Carbs equate to performance. Um, and it's like, let's throw an extra five grams a week in here. And, you know, I know that their body can handle more than that, but their brain can't. Um, because if their brain sees, oh, man, my carbs have gone from 95 grams to 100, shit, now I'm in triple digits, so now I'm going to blow up like a blimp. It's a very real thing that people think, and I don't blame the individual for that. I mean, that is a project, product of our, our culture and our dietary trends and fads. So, But when you're lifting, carbs are your best friend. Up to a point. <laughs> and as with anything, I wish it could just be this really easy binary thing, but it ain't. Um, so, uh, you know, clearly if you are, you know, a, a fairly, if you're again, the same hypothetical woman who's five, three to five, five, you have a fairly petite frame, um, you know, 500 grams of carbs a day for you is probably more than you need. <laughs> um, but that's one of those things where, you know, as long as you are within control, you have the ability to control your intake and you're not just off the rails and just binging all the time, but you're like, okay, I'm going to have 150 grams here. So you take that in, you assess your performance, you look at your body composition, you track your statistics, and then you make a decision. Hey, I think I can increase it a little bit. Let me try 175. And you can take it in modest chunks like that. Give your body a few days to, to see, because if there's anything that's negative, that's going to happen. You, if you're watching those variables closely, you'll see it happen pretty quickly. Um, and just pay attention how you feel and understand that carbs also do promote a little bit of water retention. So expect to feel that. Um, but you need to learn to differentiate between water retention and fat gain. Um, so, um, yeah, car carbs, they need to be less scary. I do find that they're, it's hard to say what's more valuable because we need everything. Just like we need dietary fats, you know, we need a minimum of those, um, just for general health, hair, skin, nails, fat soluble vitamin absorption as well. So, um, fats are uh, essential. And then also I find that a high fat diet, um, is really good for promoting a, just a, a slightly greater anabolic state in the body. And also, if we're trying to cram in some calories, fats are a really easy way to do it, where we can shove in a lot of those and not have to worry about, like, okay, now I'm too full, I can't eat this. I mean, you know, dietary fats are sneaky. Um, a lot of guys that I have, they're in the 100 to 150 grams uh, a day for fats. Um, and, you know, uh, calories are high, but they're they're fine with it. And, you know, we're managing modest carbs and modest protein as well. Um, but those calories from fats are very helpful too. So um, really good stuff there, Connor. Really appreciate that. So here we go. Um, I'm going to say Connor. Write this down on the post-it note. Crumple it up. And in it goes. So um, I want to make one other quick little point here. Um, so, and this comes from, um, it's something that I've talked before and it's that, uh, I've done a, an entire episode block on this before talking about that all or nothing mentality that a lot of people have where they say, if I'm, um, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it a hundred percent. And the, the corollary to that is if I can't go a hundred percent, I'm not going to do this thing. And the, where that comes, becomes a problem is when, when you really take that to it, its extreme for something that requires a continued effort, like bodybuilding, um, then ultimately what that means is you're never going to do anything. Now, if, if you're going to say, I am all in on 
watching this TV show and it's an hour long and I'm going to focus on it 100% for an hour long and if I can't then I'm not going to watch it. Well, okay, that's an hour. You know, you can you can focus on something for an hour. You can give something 100% effort for an hour. That's how I work through my uh, my work day as well. I said an hour block and I'm like I am 100% focused on exactly what I'm doing right in front of me for 1 hour all other distractions be damned. And uh, yeah, you can do that. When you're talking about 4 months, I'm going to be 100% for 4 months. You know what? There are some people that can do that. And because there are some people out there that can do that, it makes the rest of us think that that's necessary. And it's not. Um, so I just want to give everybody a quick reality check and say, you know what you really need? What you need is your best effort. And what you need to recognize is that what qualifies as your best effort can change from a week-to-week or a day-to-day basis. You're going to have days where, you know what, you're just not in it. You're going to have weeks where, man, this is a rough week. My circumstances changed. My schedule has shifted a little bit. I've got to make some adjustments here. But you know what? You make those adjustments and you roll on with it. And if things aren't perfect, then you just approach it from a very analytical perspective. If you have a coach that you're working with, include them in the conversation as well. Say, hey, I'm struggling with X, Y, Z. How can I make this better? My schedule has changed. I don't have time for this cardio. Um, How else can we work things? Can we do less cardio and put me at a, a, you know, just lower intake? Does that work? Have those conversations and approach things from a perspective of trying to troubleshoot and make things better. But if you demand 100% effort and perfection from yourself, all the time, you're never going to get anywhere. So I uh, just thought that was worth a, a quick note. So here's what I'm going to do. Last week, I recorded a video of this drawing, and um, uh, it uh, turned into a giant pain in the ass because Instagram kept deleting my post every time I put it up. I have no idea why. I can't figure it out. So instead, I'm going to do it live on Instagram here as I record. So it's going to be, uh, you'll, you'll see it on Instagram before you hear it on the podcast. So let's see. Let's get the tripod all set up here. Turn the camera. Oh, God. Who is that ugly guy right there? Man, he's looking pretty rough in the morning. So, um, okay. So that's all set here. And here's what I'm going to do. So we're going to hit the record button here in a moment. And uh, then we'll just do this thing. So uh, podcast people, everybody listening to this on the drop set, you know I love you. Please permit me a slight uh, digression here as I uh, introduce what's going on for the Instagram audience here. So let me put it on live. There we go. Start live video. Hopefully this works. Um, A few times recently. Oh, I'm now live. Great. Okay. They're telling my followers that I've started a live video. So hey, Instagram people, I am recording the podcast right now as well. So it uh, it is time for our drawing, the raffle drawing that you've all been waiting for, all five of you that are in this cup right here. So what I've done is I've taken everybody who called into the podcast with a question, and there were some good ones of you. Um, I'm seeing some people join now. Hey, Dave, how you doing? Um, And uh, if you called into the podcast with a question, hi, Dean, um, then I put your name on a a post-it note, and I crumpled it up in this shaker cup. Hey, Emily. Yeah, she joined. She's like, oh, man, Darren's doing something. What's going on? He's going to draw my name out of that shaker cup. Yep. Lana joined. Hey, how you doing? Um, So, uh, yeah, Um, here we go. So... Allow me a, a small a small discretion here before I make the drawing. Um, and that is that, uh, well, you know what? No, let's do the drawing first. You know what? I'm, I'm not going to belabor the point any more than I have to. And then we'll talk about what's coming up next. And hopefully I don't lose everybody here. So here we go. I'm going to shake everything up here. This is so cheesy. I feel a little uh, a little embarrassed doing this just with how cheesy it is. All right, and then I'm going to just uh, pour an, a single name out of the shaker cup, and we'll see what happens here. So 
I've never done this before. This might take a while to get. Oh, here's one. You can see it poking out right there. So please let it just be one. Okay, it was just one. Great. All right. So now we're going to see who it is. And it is. <laughs> oh, this is going to make somebody very happy. Mary. <laughs> Congratulations, Mary. So, um, Mary, if you're listening to this, and you will be, um, let me know what you want. I need your address. We'll send it on over. So, um, so what, what's next? Um, you know what I need? I need your help. Um, I need your help on some things now. So, um, I had this conversation with somebody. I think I mentioned this to Brian via an Instagram message yesterday. Um, I am not a good wordsmith. Or maybe this was actually something that I said to Mary. Um, I'm not much of a wordsmith, but I need some slogans to go on some clothing. And then, because uh, right now, everything that I have up on the website, um, fivestarphysique.com slash shop, it's all just logo stuff for the most part. Um, and initially, I, I put together like a tank and a T that said like, uh, um, you know, intensity is everything. I'm like, that's not very inspiring. Um, but I need something like that. It could be funny. It could be motivational. It could be, I don't know anything, but I need some ideas from you. So you can just send those in via email. And I tell you what, the deal that I'm going to make is whoever sends the one in to me that I like the most. You can send that however, Instagram message, Facebook message. You can send me a a direct message via Twitter. Uh, Dave says, I don't need a slogan. I do, sir. I do at this point. Um, I want more variety. It's not a a corporate slogan, just something to put on a t-shirt. There'll be many of these. So something, you know, funny, pithy, whatever, um, anything like that. Um, However you want to send it to me, email it to me, um, send it via carrier pigeon, smoke signals, and Morse code, whatever. I don't read Morse code, so that'd be a really bad way to do it. But however you want to send it, I will figure out which one that I actually want to use, and then I will work with a a, a graphic designer to put it together. And then um, whichever one I use, uh, whoever suggested that will win a couple things from the collection. So, um, that, that is active now and that will be going on until I have, uh, until I have a winner basically until somebody said, but, but get on it. So you don't have, you don't have all day. Well, you have, you have today at least, but probably a week, maybe two. Um, but that's, uh, that's how I want to proceed from now. So once again, congrats to Mary. Hers was the name I drew from the cup. Um, and uh, you know what? Just because I'm a nice guy, I'm feeling kind of generous, I'm going to draw two names. I'm calling an audible right now because you know why? I am not in corporate America and I can do whatever the hell I damn well please. So um, there was a... Uh, let's build the suspense here a little bit. Um, the uh, Dave says five-star physique equals five-star results. That's not bad. It's a little cheesy. I mean, cheesy in that, you know, it's my name twice, and I feel like having my name in there once is cheesy enough. So, uh, <laughs> Connor says, two names. Oh, man, yeah. Yeah, a whole bunch of people just perked up right now. Um, the podcast group that I'm a member of on Facebook is just for, like, podcasters to discuss, you know, technical things and non-technical things. Um, one of the questions posed in the group was, you know, if, if you work in corporate America, and uh, can you do that and run a podcast at the same time? And... Uh, I, uh, hey, Louie, how you doing? Uh, I, was, I read that question. I'm like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Can, can, you, can you run a podcast if you work in corporate America? And you know, somebody's like, you know, your, your job doesn't own you. And I'm like, 
yeah, no duh, your job doesn't own you. Um, but then a lot of people were like, yeah, I've got, I, I run a podcast and I've gotten into trouble, you know, corporate found out that, you know, uh, you know, I have some, some raw language on there. So I've had to tone it down. I've had to take my podcast down. I'm like, holy crap, geez, Louise, uh, it's, it's awful. So anyway, I am not corporate America. I am a corporation of one, which is not true. I'm not incorporated. Um, but, uh, yeah, so here we go. Calling an audible second name. So let's see what we get here. Oh, we we got we got we got something poking out, and uh, just one, please, just one. Okay, yeah, just one. So here it is. See, not leaving the camera. All right, what else do we have here? Let me take a look here. Oh, unfolding, 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 unfolding. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Connor, winner. Basically, I wanted to make sure that I drew a winning name that was actually like on the Instagram live thing at the very least. So, so Mary and Connor, both winners. So I will get details from both of you. Congratulations. Thank you. That pretty much draws us to a close here. So why am I doing this podcast so early this morning? I usually do it in the afternoon. And you know why? It's because this afternoon I have a date with the season premiere of Star Trek Discovery Season 2 that was on last night. And I am going to close the windows, shut everything down, and sit down and watch that SOB. I've been waiting for it since September, so um, I'm, I'm stoked for that. Uh, excited to see what happens here. So anyway, thank you all for watching here on Instagram. I'm going to go ahead and say, and Mary, Connor, I'll get in touch with you, and uh, we'll get everything sorted out there. And uh, yeah, everybody have a uh, have an awesome day. I'm going to wrap up this podcast, and then i got to go hit some arms too. So wish me best of luck. Did that work? No. I tried to hit close, and then I told it to cancel. Oh, and live video is in red. Okay, so there we go. All right. All right, there you go, a podcast people. We're back here. So, man, that Instagram crowd, they're rough. Whew. Yikes. I guess I should share that so that people who were not live can still see it. Okay, cool. So that's done. All right, so it's just you and me, once again, podcast. How you doing? It's good to have you back. You're, you're the real peeps here. You know, um, I thought I had something else I was going to say. You know, I, I really enjoy um, uh, telling my Amazon Echo to play my podcast. I, I would say that the keyword, but then she's going to be listening to me and she's going to want to turn off the lights or something like that. So, um, but anyway, that, that is a skill that is enabled. So um, the Echo or, you know, the Google Home device or any of those smart speakers, they use a service called TuneIn. Um, for podcasts. And so you have to have your podcast submitted via TuneIn and there's an authentication process that goes along with that. Um, and clearly this is way more technical stuff than I ever thought I was going to have to know when it came to operating a podcast. But, you know, um, so anyway, that, that submission process went through, it's authenticated. So you can say, you know, whatever her name is, play podcast, the drop set, and uh, she'll do it. So um, just another way that you can listen on top of everything else. I don't know how practical that is for a lot of people, but um, it's, uh, it, it's fun for me nonetheless to hear it come through the echo speaker. It's kind of fun. So anyway, that's all I got. So I appreciate everybody who had the questions. Um, congrats again to Mary and Connor, the winners for this week. Thank you very much. And yeah, um, your, your slogans, your phrases for, uh, the next, uh, clothing line, um, collection is the word I'm looking for. Um, send those in and the winner will, uh, will win some stuff from that collection once I get it put out. And, you know, realistically, once I have that slogan, I have the design work done, everything else happens in a matter of about an hour. So it happens pretty quickly. So 
Anyway, thank you again for listening. I appreciate it. Everybody have a great weekend. I'll catch up with you on Monday.